So is China bouncing back perhaps more quickly than we thought? Meanwhile, is the Bank of England holding back? Philip Bailey has suggested overnight that maybe they don't need to raise rates any more than they have already. Is he right to do that? And inflation in Europe, we get the number for the Eurozone today. But the German CPI didn't go down and bond yields are pushing higher as they are in the US again today. It's Thursday, the 2nd of March, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. 10-year treasuries are back on the up, up eight basis points to over 4% now, the yield on 10 years. Two years are up seven basis points. They got over 4.9% overnight and moves up on bonds across most of Europe as well for the yield. 10-year bonds up six basis points, for example, even more in most other countries. But the U.K. was an exception up but up just one basis point, thanks to words from the uh, bank governor, which we'll talk about this morning. The Aussie 10-year yield is down, down seven basis points yesterday, and it's now just below 3.8%. Not much movement in equities. The Dow up ever so slightly at the close in the US and a 0.5% drop in the S&P, 0.7% off the NASDAQ. Uh, the Euro stocks 50 down half a percent, but the FTSE 100 up half a percent. And the Hang Seng yesterday, as the masks came off, up. 4.2%. Uh, the US dollar has fallen 0.4% on the DXY, with the euro up almost 0.9%. The Aussie dollar up 0.4%, almost to 67.5 US cents. But the pound, it's down, but only a smidgen. And oil is up, up 0.7% for WTI, 1.1% for Brent to 84.40 a barrel. No doubt that has been helped by the China data overnight. Maybe we'll start there with Ken Crompton, who joins me from NAB in Sydney. So the Caging Manufacturing PMI came in at 51.6, so well into expansionary territory against an expectation of 50.2. Then there's the official NBS Manufacturing PMI, so that, that tends to be larger state-owned companies. But for manufacturing, they're bouncing back from 50.1 in January up to 52.6 in February, and services up to 56.3. Now, that is the highest read since March 20, uh, March 2021, so two years, basically. So I don't know how much credence we can put on that, but, I mean, th- these are big. In every case, we're over 50 anyway, so, uh, you know, the they've gone from contraction to expansion. Things are looking good. Yeah, good morning, Phil. I think we're seeing a, a, a bit of the same story we saw in most of the Western economies that came out of... Um, prolonged COVID lockdowns in either you know 2020 or 2021 if you're in Australia whether the rebound has just proven once again to be a bit stronger than expected even with the benefit of being able to look at the Western experience um, pretty broad-based gains across the PMIs there I think some uh, from China yesterday um, some of the interesting stuff in the detail was that um, you know unsurprisingly you know strong domestic demand components there for the for the manufacturing surveys certainly but also foreign orders starting to rebound as well. So um, I think that that index was above 50 for the first time in eight months. So pretty strong, uh, pretty strong hint that there's sort of a, you know, a, a two-pronged attack on, um, on, on, on demand for manufacturing out of China, both domestic and foreign. Um, yeah, the, the non-manufacturing index, we got the official read on that yesterday, which, as you've said, just sort of focuses more on the, on the larger companies, um, you know, transport and accommodation there. We were starting to see that with some Google mobility data earlier. And once again, that's somewhat consistent with the Western experience, where as you release these lockdowns, you know, that came just ahead of or a fair bit ahead of Chinese New Year and, and other holidays. So pe- people got out and started traveling and, and that pulled up pulled up demand and I guess prices there as well. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of things starting to move ahead there. Right. Things cooling down for Australia, though. So the GDP growth rate came in uh, at 2.7% year on year from Q4, down from 5.9%. 
and yet Aussie bond yields, uh, this is, we are one of the few places in the world where they actually came down overnight. Yeah, there was quite a big reaction from the market around the data that was released yesterday. I think there was probably some of the immediate market reaction was probably related to the monthly CPI print as well, which I guess we can talk about a little bit separately. But but looking at GDP first, yeah, 0.5% QOQ for the for the headline figure. And I guess the interesting points there is it really does, really does point to, you know, We've been looking in sort of the activity data for a bit of a hit from from rate increases as they've come through. Yeah, maybe the GDP print yesterday was a was a place where we were starting to see some of that, um, you know, softening in in a lot of the demand measures. But I mean, interestingly, um, yeah, we're still seeing you know, decent sort of wage and labour cost growth in in those measures as well, but softening as well. So arguably a, a fair bit to maybe comfort the RBA in some of the detail of that print. But having said that, you know, I think. Sally sort of cautioned yesterday about looking at the absolute level of activity in Australia relative to the rest of the world. That's certainly there. It's just that we are starting to see a, a little bit of slowing in. It's a household consumption, yeah, up 0.3% quarter on quarter. That's actually the, the softest outcome yeah, since the end of lockdowns. Uh, but there's still some evidence in there too that there's still a bit of a rebalancing going on between you know goods and services. So the the good, good goods demand certainly is a little bit faster, but services demand remaining pretty robust. You know, sort of our favourite. Our favourite indicator that we're looking for to maybe signal a bit of an end to the to the boom times, you know, cafes and restaurants, you know, that's still up five point six, was still up one point six percent in the quarter, and uh, transport as well, still up five point seven. So, I guess we'll see whether those um, scary airfare numbers that we're getting around in Q four will, uh, will 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 have had some effect. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, those. I, I wonder whether Philip Lowe is getting everything he wants because, yeah, not only so he's got softer consumption numbers, uh, but also yes, those CPI numbers. They, I know they are only month. Monthly CPI numbers, and they are still sort of finding their feet a, a little bit, and they, you know, they're not the, the full basket of, of goods. But month on month, uh, from eight point four percent down to seven point four percent. I mean, that, as you say, we. We, we, we saw the response in, in bond yields, didn't we, heading down? Well, I think it's certainly what the market latched onto out of yesterday's numbers. Um, yeah, you could arguably you know, look at that and, and, and that, that sort of certainly fits with the, with the hypothesis a lot of the market is running at that Q4 really was the peak in inflation. You know, these, these numbers were for January. I think the key difficulty there, though, is, as you've noted, uh, yeah, this is a relatively new series, this monthly CPI. It's not, a, it's not a full CPI data set in the sense that you get monthly data out of a lot of offshore economies. So... Um, yeah, in, in, and in particular, most of the refreshed prices we got through through January just happened to be mostly from the goods side. There wasn't too much in the services side, which is obviously where the where the real heat has been in inflation. So potentially there is a there is a risk there that um, that that number was sort of skewed to the downside by just happening to have a lot of goods price updates in January, but. Certainly, that was what the market latched onto. We saw big moves in, in Australian bond yields, probably about a 15-point move at one point there in, in three-year yields. The terminal rates come off a little bit. So, um, it, yeah. I think it certainly reveals so look, the clothing, price furniture, and travel. You can you can imagine clothing and furniture actually be the begin just after Christmas being uh, you know lo- lots of price lock knockdowns, which you know could have, as you say, really influenced that number. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, as this series develops, maybe the season, maybe the seasonalities will start to capture that. Um, at this early time, mm. such a short time frame, the, the analysis there is is complicated. So the US, the the manufacturing ISM was a little weaker than expected at forty seven point seven. So still in contraction new orders sitting at an index of 47 so that is in contraction as well and manufacturing prices up to 51.3 so softer demand 
bigger prices. Not a good combination. Presumably why we're seeing bond yields. I mean, it is. We're getting a very different picture emerging, aren't we? Down in Australia, but bond yields pushing higher again today in the United States. And as I said in the introduction, over 4% over for 10 years. Yeah, that price has paid um, a sub-index in the ISM. 51, is it now 51.3? That's up from 44.5 the prior month. So that's the first mm. time that's been back up in, in expansionary territory. So, you know, so pointing towards a little bit of resurgent you know, in, in inflationary pressure in, in, in that sector, I guess, you know, sort of in manufacturing inputs. Um, yeah, we did see Treasuries briefly over 4%. I mean, we're still seeing pretty significant demand in general for Treasuries around that level. And we're seeing, you know, any, most of the rate increases being crammed into the front end of the curve, which um, which does make sense given the Fed's, you know, sort of... He's, generally sort of still maintaining quite a quite, quite a hawkish tone. So, you know, we've had the US two-year, 10-year curve. That's at nearly at minus 90 now. So that's still sort of showing that the mark, general market expectation is that is that the Fed will will quite um, will, will quite willingly drive the economy to to recession if if, if they need to. So it'd be interesting to see how well this four percent level on on ten year Treasuries is able to be held into the longer term. I mean, our expectation is that you could see Treasuries return to the peaks of last year, which is sort of four and a quarter around that level. Yeah, will we get to four and a half or beyond? Um, we don't think so. We sort of think the that um, yeah, the, the 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 end is now near enough at hand, and the Fed's got things. Control is sort of still, you know, foreseeable, but I guess yeah, this this data is beginning to to challenge that. You know, was January warm or was the economy hot? So <laughs> that's the uh, that's nice. the question that still needs to be answered. Right. It also, the question is what happens to uh, labour data as well, because that's you know jobs are holding up, aren't they? And uh, of course, we get the weekly jobless claims tonight. So, but you know, that we're not been seeing those numbers coming down, perhaps as fast as the Fed would like. The Wall Street Journal is reporting today that two big online recruitment firms are saying the number of job postings is falling more than the Labor Department reports, the JOLTS numbers, are actually showing. So the markets have listened to that and responded by hammering the share price of, of those two recruitment firms <laughs> rather than listening to what they were saying. Uh, look, a place where bond yields aren't heading up uh, is, apart from the Australia, is the UK. No data, but a very dovish Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England saying the market's been getting ahead of itself. He said there's no uh, presumption that the bank has to lift interest rates any more than the 4% that they're at now. He said the economy is evolving much as we expected it to. He said this uh, This was at a conference in London. Mind you, it was at a conference on the cost of living. He probably didn't want to actually say that he was going to add to the cost of living pressures by uh, putting interest rates up. But look, UK bond yields uh, are down. The FTSE 100 is up. So there's certainly been a market reaction to that, hasn't there? Yeah, that, that was the major major news, I think, for, for gilts. There wasn't too much spillover out of the European CPI numbers, which I guess we, we can talk about a bit later. But you know, I think that speech from Governor Bailey last night, I mean, obviously, presumably influenced by the forum he was speaking at, as you suggested, but certainly uh, it went to great lengths to, to state that the BOE is entirely data dependent, certainly stressing that you shouldn't need to assume they need to go any higher, but also saying that you shouldn't need to assume that they won't hesitate to if they need to. So, um, yeah, a, a bit more of a, a definitely sort of a strong data dependent view there from the yeah, from, from the governor. That yeah, that that has helped lower terminal rates a bit. I mean, we've seen certainly seen some more um, hawkish comments out of some other 
BOE members over the past um, over the past couple of weeks. I think um, yeah, Hugh, Hugh Pill has been has, has been a bit more on the hawkish side, as has Catherine Mann. I mean, and you balance that against people that we know were voting for for no move at, at recent meetings. So um, there's certainly a, a diverse range of views across across the BOE. I guess having the governor um, you know, state that he's more firmly in the in the in in the um, in, in, in the in the camp where there's not, no need to blindly keep hiking is certainly a bit of a, a, a bit of a dovish sign from them. But um, but you know you look across the pond to Europe and there's a different picture emerging there again. Well, absolutely, a very different picture. And today he said he said all that on the day that the bank's own consumer credit numbers showed a big leap in January. But maybe uh, I don't know what the detail is in that. Maybe credit cards have been piling high because of the the cost of living, which uh, might also explain his, his comments, perhaps. But look, a different, as you say, different story in Europe. German inflation, well, it's not up, but it's not not down either. And we've been seeing it up in many other countries. Uh, but it's stuck in uh, the headline rate is stuck where it was. What eight point seven percent? Look at the harmonised month on month rate though. That is up. Whichever way you look at it, um, it's persistent, isn't it? It's not coming down. Yeah, nine point three percent for that harmonised headline rate in Germany, um, up from nine point two. And I think the consensus had been for a print to come around nine. So not not a huge miss in an outright sense on that particular number. But you add to the add to the implied pressure from the stronger than expected numbers in uh, Germany and sorry in um, Spain and France the night before, and you're starting to see mm. expectations for the overall European harmonised print tonight being um you know ticking upward so i think um consensus there is sort of now landing somewhere around um you know, sort of 8.6 to 8.8 8, um rather than a fall to um 8.1 which was the previous expectation so that number you know is going to given you know the, the boe was late to the to, to, to starting rate hikes compared to most of the rest of the world and is still at a relatively lower level in their in their cash rate you know that, that's certainly going to continue to add to pressure for um yeah, for for pricing of um of, of rate hikes there, and we've seen a bit of a fair bit of upward pressure on um you know, on bond yields across Europe. Um, yeah, overnight we've got um you know bond yields are off about about six basis points. I mean, not as much as the US, interestingly, off the back of those ISO numbers, but also you have seen the usual peripheral spreads underperform as well. So you know, Italy's out mm. nine. So I think the prospect of the Boe, oh, sorry, of the ECB being somewhat near the end had been a bit, a, quite, a, quite supportive for some of those peripheral spreads, and obviously that that's going to start to reverse a bit now. So obviously the, uh, the that 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 core inflation rate for the euro area is the key number today. We also get the accounts from the ECB monetary policy meeting as well. And if you want to listen to central bankers, Isabel Schnabel is speaking at the Money Market Contact Group meeting in France. And Hugh Peel, who you just mentioned from uh, the Bank of England, is talking at Wales Week in London. I mean, surely Wales would, we should be in Wales. You would have thought it's not too much I, to ask, I'd is have it? thought so. <laughs> His speech is 2023 Economic Outlook, A Year of Growth or Survival. Uh, the only two choices you've got, apparently. So it's going to be interesting to hear what both of them have to say today, I think. So it sounds a bit like um, Mr. Mr. Bailey's outlook overnight. So we're either we're, we're, we're either done and fine or it's going to get worse. So it's, Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, we need the central bankers to give us these great insights, don't we? All right, we're going to leave it there for now. Uh, good to talk. Catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. That's Ken. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning for another one. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening in.